This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, wa bihi nasta'inu ala umuru dunya wa deen, wa la aqibat al-mutaqeen wa la udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. My brothers and sisters, inshallah ta'ala, we are continuing our series where we are discussing some of the major sins in Islam. And today, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to be talking about zina or adultery and fornication. So zina is adultery and fornication because zina involves any type of intimacy that is done outside of marriage. So that could be premarital or extramarital. And before we delve into talking about zina and why is it considered a major sin, what are some of its consequences, how can we prevent it, it's good to understand that we believe as Muslims Everything that is haram, it is for our benefit to stay away from it. Because whenever Allah tells us to not do something, that's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting us and there is harm in it. So every single haram act that we know of, there's harm in it. We're not allowed to use drugs because they harm us. We're not allowed to harm others because that's harmful. We're not allowed to uh, do any type of a haram act because it always has evil consequences and Islam came to protect us to guide us to teach us that which is correct and upright like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran fiha kutubun in the Quran in the sunnah in the revelation that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are upright correct and sound commandments so as long as you live up to these commandments and you do that which Allah wants you to do and you stay away from that which Allah wants you to stay away from, you will live a good life. And this is what Allah promises us. Allah promises in the Quran that if we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are, we are mu'mins and we have iman and faith and we obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah will give us a good life. It's always good to remember that general fact so that later on when you come across something that is not allowed, you're not going to be wondering where, where this wrong with this or why is it allowed or I don't understand it. Because just as a general rule, if Allah legislates something to be unlawful and haram, then it is harmful for the human being. And if Allah commands us to do something, then there is, there is good in it. Whether you understand that good or harm doesn't matter. Everything that Allah legislates, if it's haram, stay away from it. And it is bad for you. And zina is no exception. Zina is no exception. Interestingly enough, my brothers and sisters, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about zina, Allah doesn't just tell us it's haram. Allah doesn't say, don't do it. Allah says, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا الزِّنَا إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا And do not go near zina. Do not go near zina. And... When the scholars explain that, they mean, or they say, what it means is that it is not just the zina, the act of unlawful intercourse or is haram, it is that everything that will lead up to it is also haram. And this is very important to remember, that people don't just fall into zina just like that. There are many acts and many decisions that are made that lead up to it, and Allah is telling us, don't even thread that path, don't even go near it. So everything that is contributing to the act of zina is, not, is haram and we're not supposed to engage in it. And there's a general principle within our religion that says 
that that which leads to haram is also haram. So that which leads to haram is haram, and that which leads to good is good. And this is very important to remember as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran praises the believers that guard their private parts. If you read Surah Al-Mu'minun, the Surah of the Believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the first verse, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Indeed, the believers are successful. Whenever Allah says the believers are successful, it means Allah is saying they are successful in this world and they will be successful in the world to come. So they will go to Jannah. Allah will be pleased with them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I encourage you all, please read the, the first verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun that describe the believer. And then look at these things that Allah is saying are the qualities and descriptions of those who have faith. And then check yourself, do I have these qualities? Where am I lacking? And try and improve on them so that you can be among those whom Allah said about, they are successful. So when Allah talks about these qualities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with those who are they are those who, within their prayer, they have khushur, they are focused, they have humility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're not thinking about the dunya and their life, they're fully focused on their prayer. So interesting enough, if you think about it, when Allah was describing the successful believer, Allah does not even say they're the ones who pray. No, they pray, of course they pray. They're the ones who have khushu' in their prayer. So what do you reckon of the one who doesn't even pray, subhanAllah? And if you want to know more about the importance of the prayer and what it does it mean to neglect the prayer, we've done a previous lecture on that. and I highly encourage you to watch that, inshaAllah ta'ala. So then Allah says, And many other qualities that the believers have. And among those, Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ أَوْ مَمَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُهُمْ They are those who guard their private parts. They are those who guard their private parts from falling into a haram relationship and having haram uh, relations. So, among the qualities, the descriptions of the successful believer is they guard their private part. And then, of course, the opposite is true as well. If you're someone that doesn't guard your private part, if you're someone that's engaged in haram relationships, then of course you're not a successful believer. You're someone that is doing whatever they want and living life according to their desires. And Allah wants us to follow our desires. Generally as Muslims, my brothers and sisters, we're not supposed to follow our desires. We're supposed to follow what is correct, the Quran and the Sunnah. That's very important to remember. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, speaks about the servant of the most merciful. Allah speaks about a group of people or a type of people that he calls Ibadur Rahman in Surah Al-Furqan. And Allah also in this surah, uh, Surah Al-Furqan, towards the end of it, he then tells us the characteristics of the Ibadur Rahman, the slaves of the most servant, of the most merciful. Right? And they are And Allah mentions many things about them. And Allah said, they are those. لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ They do not call upon other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they are people of Tawheed. They do not commit shirk. وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ And they do not take a life unjustly. That Allah has made haram. 
wala yaznun and they do not commit zina so here allah is saying the ibadur rahman the servants of the most merciful are those who do not commit zina so you if you want to be a successful believer if you want to be among those that are the ibadur rahman then you must stay away from zina like allah encourages you wala taqrabu zina do not go near it and we mentioned earlier everything that allah tells us is unlawful and haram it has many harms in it sometimes as human beings we see those harms and it makes sense for example don't smoke it's haram why is it haram because it gives you lung cancer and you're not allowed to harm your body it's very simple if it's harmful to you if it's harmful to society it is haram if allah tells you it's haram definitely it is harmful i hope you fully understand that because is sometimes you you'll come across something and you're like what's wrong with it like for example soon inshallah ta'ala will be speaking about some of the things that lead to zina and that includes the free mixings of the two genders that has just general free mixing and hang out, hanging about the opposite gender when there's no need and one might make the argument wait a minute but I, there's nothing wrong with it uh, in trying to justify it but remember if allah doesn't want you to do it then there is a harm in it whether you realize it or not whether you feel like it applies to you or not you always follow the quran and sunnah you always follow the quran and sunnah so ikhwani fillah uh, zina is a major sin the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a dream he was shown people that were being punished uh, for their sins and among the people that he was shown was a group of people that were trapped and and they were being burned in a fire and the prophet asked in jibril or, or the angels that were with him what what's wrong with these people what do they do and they said humu zunah they are the people that would commit adultery and fornication so it is something that definitely leads to hellfire in fact in surah al-furqan allah says that those who do commit zina and shirk and 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 murder and all the other sins yudha'af lahu al-'adhab yawm al-qiyamah their punishment will be increased for them on the day of judgment may allah protect us from it so ikhwani fillah Personally, if you're someone that is engaged in a haram relationship, these ayat and these hadith apply to you. You're in a grave danger. You need to hasten to the repentance and, and repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it truly is a major sin. And it's also against iman. The one who has true faith would not be able to do zina. So you committing zina, it shows that there is a lack of faith in you. Now that doesn't mean that you're not Muslim, but it just means that your iman is so low, it's almost not recognizable. This is why the Prophet said in a hadith, لا يزني الزاني حين يزني وهو مؤمن The person that commits adultery or, or zina, while he's doing it, he's not a mu'min. He's not a believer. And Ibn Abbas, when he was asked about it, he said that the iman is literally lifted from the person because of the shameless act and the shameful act that he's doing. The shameful act that he's doing. So we need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and close the doors that lead to it and follow the instructions of the Quran and the Sunnah. So, another thing that is very important to remember is the character, the type of character of the person that regularly falls into zina, men or women. So think about it. Do you think that someone that regularly observes their prayer is also engaged in a haram relationship? Or the one that is engaged in helping the poor and giving sadaqah and reading Quran is someone that is also engaged in haram relationship? Usually, it's not like that. So it is someone that is removed from worship and removed from his connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that leads for you to fall into these traps of shaitan. 
and then you just become a slave to your desires. And here is a general principle you should know about. If you're not a slave to Allah, you become a slave to your desires. You just do whatever you want to do. And that's not how we're supposed to be. We need to be able to control ourselves. You need to be able to control your desires. And if you need to uh, indulge in these human desires that we have, then Islam didn't close the door. It is not a restrictive religion like some are trying to make it out to be. If you want to be with someone, if you want to have relations, then Islam has opened the door of marriage for you and encouraged marriage and also encouraged to make marriage easy. And this goes to all of those communities and those cultures that have made marriage difficult. Wallahi, if you make marriage difficult, people will fall into zina. So we need to make it easy. So if you have a daughter or you have a son who wants to get married, don't prevent it. Don't be as a parent or as a relative or as a family member, don't be the person that prevents marriage. Because if we prevent marriage, then we facilitate indirectly zina. Especially if the two people want each other. And we need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that regard as well. So Islam didn't close the door. It opened the door of marriage because with marriage comes responsibilities. And even if you think about it logically, when two people sleep together, they have nothing to do with each other. Nowadays, people are meeting up on apps uh, and and, uh, they don't care. So they meet up for one night and then they move on. This is, first of all, it removes all responsibility, it removes all emotional involvement, and it becomes almost like an act that the animals do. You come together and you just uh, are a slave to your own desires, and then you leave for that one night or that one day or whatever the case is. This is something that is unbecoming of a believer. This is unbecoming of a decent human being. When, you, when, when, when two people are together... This should be done in a way that is halal. It should be done in a way that involves responsibility. That if, the, if, if a child comes, if, if someone becomes pregnant, this child now has a father that will take care of him. He has a mother. He has a home to grow up in. How often do we see that these type of relations lead to another haram, which is abortions? They lead to even more haram, like hiding it. We now we, Sometimes we deal with people that they have a child outside of marriage, and then they claim that this child is the father of their husband. And they lie. Or the husband is having a relationship with other women, and then he comes to his wife and he lies. Now the character of the people that commit zina are that they often lie, that they betray, that they hide the truth, that they are not people of piety, that they're not engaged in worship, they have no connection to Allah and His Messenger. These are the characters of the people that are engaged in zina. And you, wanna, you don't want to be like that. Is there a way out? Of course there is. Repent to Allah, I mean turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for indeed Allah is the most forgiving and He forgives all sins. So let's discuss some of the harms of zina. Now, we just mentioned that because of haram relations that abortions happen. And abortion is taken in life. Remember, my brothers and sisters, especially my sisters, if you get pregnant, now it doesn't matter if that child was conceived in a haram relationship or in a marriage, it is haram for you to abort that child. It is very clear within our religion, we are not allowed to commit, do abortion. It is a heinous crime, it is a sin. And we briefly mentioned this in our, in our lecture when we spoke about murder. The one who... Uh, 
is in a haram relationship, commits zina, gets pregnant as a result of it, then you're not allowed to, to uh, remove that child. Now, look what happens now. First of all, you're not allowed to take that life. Allah created that life, that's it. You're not allowed to take that life. Another thing that happens is now that child will be born, and it is a child that is born out of wedlock, that child will not live the same life as a child that was born in a marriage. Look at all these social problems that are being created now because one person could not keep it in their pants and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the fact. These things lead to problems. They lead to diseases being spread. And we've seen these uh, uh, pandemics of these diseases that are as a result of sexual relations. We've seen these children that are being born out of wedlock and they don't even know their fathers. We've seen these abortions that are happening by numbers that will really shock you. All of these social ills are because of these haram relationships. Now we, we also see men and women that quote-unquote fall in love, but then they, they don't take any responsibility, they don't get married, and then they, the other person was not as serious as the other one. This is what happens with boyfriend and girlfriend relationships. There's no commitment there. With marriage, there's commitment. With marriage, there's a contract. With marriage, there's responsibility. None of that is there when you're in a relationship with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. So they'll just walk away. And sometimes what happens when, when, they, when, when, a, when a supposed boyfriend whom you were so in love with or a supposed girlfriend whom you're so in love with all of a sudden walks out of your life, then the psychological problem that you deal with, the depression that you get, the anxiety, all of this because you were in a haram relationship. Now do relationships break up even in marriages? Yes, they do. But it's a lot harder than when it is with these breakups that happen between boyfriend and girlfriends because there is no responsibility, because it is un-Islamic. Think about, think about how much we, we do with a marriage. First, as soon as the brother and sister like each other, families are involved. They know about it. Then there is a contract. Then the sister is given her meher, her dowry. And then there is a wedding. And people are invited. Everyone knows about it. It is a, 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 such an institution. This is not comparable to two people meeting in an alley or if they're lucky meeting in a hotel and then moving on. right? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given such uh, a, an importance to this relationship that when you don't care about it, all of these social ills happen. Wa'alifillah. We have to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't, if you have a girlfriend, stop that relationship. If you have a boyfriend, stop that relationship. It is haram, you're not allowed. Simple as that. It is haram, you're not allowed to do that. Same way you're not allowed to drink. The same way you're not allowed to kill. The same way you're not allowed to disobey your parents. You're not allowed to be in a haram relationship. Now you might say, well we don't do zina. You're still not allowed to be in that type of relationship. If you're serious about that girl, you would marry her. If you're serious, serious about that brother, you would also uh, try and marry that brother and, and involve the family. Those things that are done in secret, all they lead is to uh, something that is haram and they have all these social ills, not to mention, not to mention the disobedience that you're engaged with regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single text that you send, every single phone call, Every single look that you give each other, all of these things are absolutely unequivocally haram, not allowed, and you are sinning. And you do not want to be among those whom the Prophet ﷺ was shown that they were being burned in the fire. 
You don't want to be among those whom Allah said, Allah will double their fire. You don't, you don't want to be the one whom Allah literally raises their iman while they are engaged in the act of zina. So all in all, ikhwanifillah, we need to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, like we mentioned earlier, does Islam close all avenues? No. Human beings have desires. Men and women like each other and they like to be in relationships with each other. Did Islam prevent that? No. It opened up the door of marriage and with marriage comes right and responsibility and a cohesive home for the children. Yet, let's say, uh, what other preventive measures has Islam given us so that one does not fall into zina? Number one, ikhwanifillah, is taqwa. That which helps you stay away from sin the most is taqwa. It is the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the fear of Allah. And there is a, a, a qissa that is mentioned in the books of hadith where a man from the people uh, of the book of the people of the past, he, uh, a woman approached him asking for help, financial help. And he said, I will give it to you uh, in, in, in turn, I want to sleep with you. And this woman was someone that was in hajah. She was in great need. So she succumbed. And she said, okay, if you give me the money, I will let you. And then, uh, when he was about to uh, engage uh, uh, with her, or, uh, engage in the haram act, she said, I have never done something like this before. And I never thought I would. And she was, of course, extremely distraught. And he asked her a question, why? And she said, I fear Allah. I fear Allah. And this, of course, moved him. And he said, you're fearing Allah even though you're in need and you need this money. Why can't I not fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And he stopped himself. And he didn't carry on doing it. He stopped himself and he left her alone and he still gave her the money. This, ikhwani fillah, is someone that had some fear of Allah in his heart. So, Fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevents you from falling into haram. So now the question is, how do we cultivate fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is by constantly remembering that Allah is watching you. Every move that you make, Allah is watching you. And know that Allah is your raqib, the one that is watchful over you. And I'm really internalizing that. Another way to cultivate your taqwa is to cultivate your iman by doing many good deeds, by surrounding yourself with good people. If you're someone that, for example, has a lot of contacts in his phone from the opposite gender, then you delete those contacts and you take steps towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are all ways that you can increase your taqwa. And as you increase your fearfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, another thing is, ikhwanifillah, really knowing the consequences from this world and, the, and more important, the consequences of the hereafter regarding zina. And this will help you stay away from zina, inshallah ta'ala. So the first preventive measure is taqwa. Another preventive measure is that we've spoken about is marriage. And ikhwanifillah, listen to me very carefully. Marriage is a solution. And we shouldn't treat marriage as something that you do once you're in your 30s, something that you do once you've done every other haram act. No. Marry early if you can. Marry early if you can. And I ask my fellow uh, uh, Muslim brothers and sisters and, and, and parents and people that can make decisions, facilitate marriage for the people that want to marry each other, even if they're young. Now, when you do marry each other, that means you can see each other, you can be with each other in a halal way. And that also means that, and that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you forgo your education or your work or your career, whatever the case is. 
people have this assumption once I, I can't get married because of X, Y, and Z. So they don't get married, but then they're all exposed to a hypersexualized society where they're bombarding you with all of these haram things, and then you fall into zina. Now, if you're married, this helps. So I encourage people to marry young. Is that advice from me? No. That's the advice of our Prophet ﷺ who said, Ya ma'ashar al-shabaab, man isada'a minkum al-ba'ata farid sawaj. Oh, uh, you, you, the Prophet ﷺ called the youth. And he said to them, get married. Not, not the elderly people, not the people that are in their 30s. The youth, the Prophet ﷺ said, get married. And he said, if you are able to do so, and that means if you're financially able to do so, if you can carry the responsibilities of marriage, then get married. And if you cannot, the Prophet gave the advice that we we're going to give, and there's a third advice, which is to fast. The Prophet said, if you can't get married, then fast, ikhwanifillah. And my brothers and sisters, fasting is among the ways that will help you first increase your taqwa. Think about this. We mentioned that taqwa and having piety prevents zina. The Prophet encourages to fast because number one, fasting encourages piety. Like Allah says, Fasting has been made obligatory upon you, like the people that came before you, so that you may attain what? Taqwa. Which will in turn uh, uh, give you the ability to stay away from sin, if you are someone that has taqwa. Piety. Also, fasting, you're usually hungry. And you're engaged in worship. So you're not going to be thinking about uh, boys or girls or men and women. You're not going to be doing that. So if you're someone that wants, that cannot get married, then what is the Prophet's advice? Fast. So Ikhwan I encourage you to fast on Thursdays and on Mondays. This is a sunnah within itself. There's a great reward in it within itself. And also, of course, it helps prevent zina. Another one, Ikhwan is minimizing interaction with the opposite gender. And this is very important. Do not take it lightly. Right? We are not allowed to free mix. This is not allowed in Islam. This is not allowed in Islam. This is why uh, our Messenger وسلم, has advised us that we do not mix with the opposite gender. We do not touch the opposite gender. We do not shake hands. Men and women do not shake hands in Islam. They don't, they don't sit next to each other. They don't chat about for no reason. Does that mean we cannot absolutely talk to each other? No. You can talk to each other, but even when Allah speaks about women and men talking, Allah tells the woman that to not be, to not speak in a seductive tone, to not giggle or laugh or flirt. Don't do any of that because that will lead to things. And you might be saying, "No, not me. I have a clean heart." First of all, everyone says that. Second of all, you need to follow the commandments that Allah has legislated for us, regardless of how you personally feel you are. Your sisters are not allowed to speak in a flirting manner with men whatsoever, and vice versa. So, another thing is, if you look at the advice Allah gives in the Qur'an, وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ And say to the believing men, يَغُضُّ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ وَيَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ That they lower their gaze. Brothers, you're not allowed to look at the woman. You're not allowed to gaze at them. You're not allowed to uh, uh, look at them in any way. You know what I'm saying? Lower your gaze. Lower your gaze. Whether you are talking to them, or they're walking on the streets, or you see them on a screen, lower your gaze. You are sinning if you look at a woman whom you're not allowed to look at. Don't do it. So that's number one. Because if you're not even looking at them, first of all, this is respectful. Because you're not treating them as a piece of meat. You're not treating them as something that needs to be objectified. 
lower your gaze and protect your private part. The Prophet said in a hadith, who will promise me they will take care of their two openings or their two, the, the, and, and I will take care, uh, uh, I will promise them paradise. And the Prophet said, this is the mouth and the private part. My final point, my brothers and sisters, is that regardless uh, of all of these preventive measures or all of the harms, in the end of the day, you will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Allah says, And falling into this sin is among the worst things one can do. And this could potentially destroy your akhirah. So fear Allah and take it seriously. Do not engage in haram relationships. And if you have done or you are in it right now, hasten to the repentance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember Allah forgives all sins. Allah accepts your tawbah. So come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you do want to have a relationship, do it the right way. Get married to, your, to that sister or that brother and actually build a home that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put barakah in rather than doing something that will actually take all the barakah away from your life. I ask Allah to protect us from this sin and all sin. I ask Allah to forgive our sins and to make us of those that enter Jannah. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.